Brett, they're really getting confidence now. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Cuddy and the Cooge, or today, rather, I should say Cooge and the Cooge, because the Cuddy is back at it again with his Griswold shenanigans. If uh, you haven't listened to our Griswold episode, you should, and we will explain, but it has to do with his RV, and he's stuck in Connecticut, and He's not guy, having a good day, so guy send him catch a break. Yeah, send him some prayers. <laughs> but uh, that's okay because today's guest is uh, one from my circle, and I'm really happy to have him on. I have a ton of questions for him. I geared him up beforehand, so he's ready to go. And uh, here today in studio, drinking some Northway Brewing beer, is uh, Naja Thompson. Naja is uh, with us from the New York Thoroughbred Breeders Association. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here, Naja. Thank you, Meg. Thank you, Chase. Sorry, uh, Cuddy couldn't be here, but yeah. happy to be on board for tonight and talk about more about my role and what I do in the thoroughbred industry and other elements as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get started there. I want to like eventually go back to your history, but just for our listeners, uh, tell us what New York Thoroughbred Breeders or NYTB is and uh, what your title and what you do there. Definitely. Uh, New York Thoroughbred Breeders is a membership organization. So we work on behalf of breeders in New York, not only based in New York, but really as long as you're breeding thoroughbreds in the state of New York, you can live outside of New York and own a horse that's boarding in New York State that foals, and you want that foal to eventually go on and race. And the great racetracks we have in New York, including Saratoga Racecourse, Belmont Park and Aqueduct Racetrack, as well as Finger Lakes. But our organization really works as a benefit to our members and the overall industry and that we advocate on behalf of the industry the importance of thoroughbred breeding, as well New York bred specifically, and making sure that these horses are being able to be foaled. And with that, it's a preservation of land. So it's an agricultural aspect as well in working with the government of the state of New York and really making sure that the thoroughbred industry continues to thrive and that we have these great racetracks that are here in the state with an illustrious history from really the early 19th century. And from the 70s on, the New York Bread Program itself has matured and grown over time. And our organization works on that behalf to improve the program. So when you see horses that are running on either the Naira Circuit or at Finger Lakes, a good majority, at least 30% of the time on Naira tracks, they are New York breads. Cool. That's I'm, That agricultural piece is something I didn't know about. That's awesome. So how do you become, that? you may have kind of answered this, but how do you become a member and like, what is the benefit? Like, why would you become a member of NYTB? Yeah, you can become a member by visiting our site, which is nytbreeders.org. Uh, some of the benefits are if you're a breeder, you get discounts on farm equipment. Uh, if you're not a breeder and just a racing fan and want to be a supporter of the program, you can get a free entrance to Saratoga Racecourse during the meet or any Naira racetrack throughout the year, except for Traverse Day, which is the big day in <laughs> okay, Belmont okay. Stakes. But we can also provide a, a discounted ticket uh, percentage for members as well. 
but uh, really our benefits, uh, various, you know, really throughout, you know, various sectors. And I mentioned earlier farm equipment, but you can also get, uh, we have a political action committee, which is our PAC, which really we work with Albany and our legislators and really expressing the importance of not just horse racing as a sport itself, but the breeding side of the game and what our farm owners are doing. And of course, Meg, you work with Therapeutic Courses of Saratoga. So aftercare organizations, we work with, you know, helping in that promotion and making sure the word is spread on those. And really any benefit there is that you could think of in wanting to support the thoroughbred racing industry in New York or otherwise, that's what NYTB is here to do. And in my role, making sure the word is spread and the daily work is done in getting that accomplished. Cool. Yeah. Something that, that I, um, have learned a little bit through getting to know you is that you deal with legislation quite a bit. So what does that look like for you? Like, what are you, you know, what types of things do you lobby for and what is that interaction like with the legislation? How are you representing that? Uh, That's a great question because at the current moment, we're in the midst of a, uh, really our activation lately is modernization for Belmont Park, which is the great racing facility on Long Island, uh, home of the Belmont Stakes. And it's a facility that I think initially opened in 1905, had its first major renovation in 1960s, nothing since. So it's been long overdue. And uh, (laughs) we're really advocating with legislators throughout the state of New York, speaking with the governor. And recently we did get her support in including modernization of Belmont Park in her state budget. And so now the next process is in New York State, the final budget will be approved by the Senate and Assembly by April 1. So uh, really my role in that is if you have a new Belmont Park, it drives investment to thoroughbred breeding and people will want to come to New York and breed their horses for the opportunity to not just run at a great facility like Saratoga, but Belmont as well. And, you know, everybody has that dream of running in the Belmont Stakes or the Traverse Stakes in New York. So you know how you can have that opportunity with a New York bred. So my daily conversations at the current moment are expressing the economic impact and the jobs that would be provided by having a new Belmont throughout the state. We have 264 thoroughbred breeding farms in just about 57 out of the 62 counties in New York. So we're really widespread in an opportunity like this where uh, with no state uh, or taxpayer money, uh, the money would be funded by the industry itself and bunny and betting and wagering. So that's a key aspect to it as well. It's like we're not asking for taxpayer money, but we just want to drive our own investments back into the industry with state approval. So that's really my day-to-day job at the current moment. That's cool. Yeah, that's that sounds um, like a nightmare to me, but <laughs> sounds like you're really good at it. So <laughs> glad to have you in that role. It's I've read about that a little bit, and it looks like that would have an opportunity for year-round racing in New York. Is that correct? Yeah. So at the current moment, uh, racing takes place uh, six months out the year throughout the winter at Aqueduct Racetrack, uh, which is just outside of uh, JFK Airport in Queens. Uh, in the spring, it moves to Belmont. And then, of course, in the summers here in beautiful Saratoga, uh, with the new modernized Belmont Park, what we're talking about is the opportunity to install a synthetic race course at Belmont, which would allow more frequency of racing throughout the winter. And as well in the spring, uh, horses run on two different surfaces, which is the turf or grass or the dirt. 
And in order to save the turf, you kind of want another surface for those horses to have an opportunity to run from. And that surface is a synthetic race course. So uh, the opportunity to modernize Belmont Park brings, you know, a synthetic racetrack in and, you know, really the opportunity when we say year round racing, it's the opportunity for everybody who owns a racehorse in New York, whether it's a turf horse, just the grass or a dirt horse, you'll have the opportunity to run that horse throughout the year. That's cool. Something else too that that uh, I think you know, I think a lot of people know about the thoroughbred industry, all of that. But something that I've read on you is that you even get in a little bit on the standard bread side. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Well, you know, when we advocate, it's on behalf of the entire industry, and um, it's kind of like uh, if I was to kind of relay it to. I know college athletics, I know you guys do a lot of UNLV stuff, yes, but, uh, you know, the athletic department just doesn't only support UNLV basketball, but, you know, there's a football program, there's a baseball, there's a softball program, you know, all rising ships or however the saying goes, yeah. <laughs> uh, we want the standard bread side of the industry to be successful and because that's just another breed of racehorse. Right. And we're about, you know, seeing our racehorses run and be protected. If you work in this industry, it's for the love of horses. Mm -hmm. So in our efforts in working with the standard bread or harness side of the industry, we want all aspects to do well. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. I feel like, too, at you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with a question I want to ask, but I, I don't want it to become taboo or you to feel that way. So speaking of college athletics, there's different sports. There's also different tiers like D1, D2, D3. Correct. It kind of feels like, at least I get this impression from like Finger Lakes might be like a D3 or D2 track. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, I think you're, you're definitely on the right track in that, um, you know, yeah, there are different tiers of racetracks. Yeah. And Finger Lakes is more the everyday racetrack where if you're a breeder in New York, um, you know, our highest stallion in the state stands for 8500 Compared to Kentucky, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars to breed to a top stallion. So if you're a New York breeder, the opportunity – for you most likely to run with a foal that's going to be born is at the, on the Finger Lake circuit. And that's what makes New York racing so great is that you'll have an opportunity to run at Finger Lakes, but as well, you could, your horse could start at Finger Lakes and eventually run at Naira as well. So, you know, they have great races out in Finger Lakes and they've done a great job with their purses. And part of my job and my role is advocating for that program to continue to grow and for people to have that investment. Cause whether your horse or, you know, athlete is D1 or D3. Everybody needs care. Everybody needs bandages. Absolutely. Everybody needs help. So all yeah. the purses should be reflective of that. Right. And no matter the Right. Division. And I think that we talk about this on the pod a lot is like, you know, D2, D3, they get like this negative connotation. But, you know, an athlete might choose to go to a D2 school instead of a D1 because they get more playing time. Correct. And that's that's Correct. ultimately what they want to be doing is yes. playing. And so similar thing, like I'm definitely not saying it mm -hmm. in a bad way. It's just, you know, I feel like it's like Saratoga, Belmont, Aqueduct. And then like yeah. everybody's always like, oh, and finger. Yeah, correct. You yeah, know? correct. And, so, yeah. And, and same mm -hmm. with like the standard bread world. Mm -hmm. I feel like they get left out of the conversation a lot. Although I spend um, a lot of time back there. We 
This year, we invested in a golf cart for Saratoga so we can tote ourselves around. And we keep it at um, John Monjon. He's a, a trainer at the Standard. I was Red listening Side. to that episode. It was an amazing episode. And yeah. I learned a lot about the hardest industry that I didn't even know personally. So Yeah, he's I, a great yeah. guy. So yeah. that's where we keep our cart. So okay. I park there, bring my gotcha. cart over, and you yeah. know, roll around. So that was really fun last year. But I'll have to go with you this year. Yeah. And no, you'll have definitely. to like yes. give me some. Because yeah. I was like driving around like, am I supposed to be in this section? I don't know. <laughs> so you'll have yeah. to give me some tips. Um, and on that note also, I would also like to visit all of the New York facilities. The breeding the race, farms? The racing facilities. Oh, yeah, like for Belmont, sure. Like Belmont Aqueduct, oh, yeah. Finger Lakes. It so really you'll... is a must. And I will tell you, um, at least here at Saratoga, we have a great breakfast at the track program where you can come out um, from as early as 7.30 a.m. And it's really close to the last set because uh, people who work at the racetrack wake up at 4.30. So we're <laughs> to start breezing and having jogs uh, from 5 a.m. on. But you can arrive at 7.30 a.m., get a nice <laughs> breakfast at the track, uh, see horses work out. And that experience is great in itself because the racing part is the pageantry part, which is great. And it's part of you know, I like putting on a suit or getting dressed up in the afternoon, yeah. but uh, you really get close to the animals and you can pet them in the mornings. And that's where you really meet the individuals who are so dedicated in our sport and work hard. Yeah, there's a right now there's a Palomino lead pony that Naira has that I want. Like when that horse <laughs> okay. when that horse goes for retirement, for sure. you better find an for in sure. for me because no. he is beautiful. I can make that happen. Okay, no, cool. He's going to have to um, pony up some cash. <laughs> no, they need they need a place to retire. We have, you know, THS. Hello. Um so speaking of breakfast at the farm, tell us about the the tour with old tavern because that yes. is a if you're listening to this and you live in saratoga i believe you're doing that again with an additional Correct. farm yeah. you gotta go but tell us what it is yeah it's just an idea to get people to experience uh the greater part of the industry and what i was just saying about a lot of people are focused on just the afternoons and just arriving with friends hanging out in the backyard and that's great but there's just so much more to this industry and last year we started a breeding farm breakfast tour and that takes place last year at old tavern farm which is a local farm based here in saratoga this year we'll also be having song hill thoroughbreds in stillwater so it's a it's an experience where you'll get to uh, ride a trolley visit these breeding farms see these uh, you know magnificent equine athletes and racehorses from when they're young and as well as the mares which are their mothers and the stallions sometimes their fathers and just getting the whole breeding side of the aspect of the operation and how these horses are prepared from early birth when you're seeing them at the racetrack you're seeing them from two years old and upwards typically two to nine on the Naira circuit but uh, at the breeding farm you could see weanlings uh, you know yearlings uh, two-year-olds and as well the mares that you know are above you know in post-retirement and still you know breeding and it's, it's just a great experience overall yeah absolutely it, it is and I can attest to it it's just and also being on the aftercare side you know coming full circle with that the horses you know a lot of we talk about this a lot and you know it as well like horses live till they're 25 30 yeah. years old so 
you know, starting from the beginning, going into racing, and then that aftercare full circle is, it's really cool. All, all the aspects of the industry are, are really amazing. And, and on that note, you know, you kind of started the pod with some history and how long horse racing has been around. And I've often thought about like, you know, the future of it or how it's evolving and, and how do you see, how do you see that happening? How do you see like our generation getting into horse racing and keeping it alive for generations to come? I think we've done some good things, which is expanding the television coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think a part of at least millennial Gen X, what I fall into, uh, we're kind of gravitating to, you know, sports and access you can get on, you know, your mobile device or being at home on television. So I think uh, the way that at least Naira in itself has expanded their television coverage with Fox Sports is a great outlet to get people, you know, at least our eyeballs on the sport. Uh, but we definitely should do more. And we're trying to do that. These these breakfast farm tours and breakfast at the track programs, just experience experiences that are cultivated and encouraging to bring families out. Um, I was introduced to horse racing from my family and uncle taking me to the track. And, uh, you know, it's hard work, but maybe that's how we've got to at least start those initial steps and getting people to at least experience it, whether you can see it on TV, but also know it's welcoming enough that you can walk in yourself and, you know, still have a good time and good experience. Right. And for people who who maybe want to get involved on the back end, you know, in breeding or even in some racing syndicates or things like that, you know, I think there's there's a maybe a misconception or maybe not that like you have to have a lot of money to do that. Um, but there are avenues where you can get involved and, and you don't have to be extremely wealthy and you know, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, no, definitely. I think you make a great point, Meg, in that, um, you know, back in the day, it is the sport of Kings. And while we do <laughs> like to, you know, joke around or on Derby Day, where, where our finest fits, uh, you can also get directly involved with uh, racing partnerships, which is you can become a micro factional owner on a racehorse or as a part of an ownership group that invests in various racehorses. So instead of having to come up with tens of thousands of dollars on your own, it's broken down to a fraction of that where it's maybe just hundreds of dollars per month. Or, you know, if you're more affordable and you're able to make a larger investment, you can of course expense more capital, but uh, it definitely is uh, democratized the sport in that you can walk in even from the smallest level and have that ownership involvement, which you just, once you're, you get that experience, um, uh, you're not just cheering on a horse you bet on, but you have a piece of, you, you can't beat that. Yeah, that's fun. I, uh, I've often thought about doing that myself, so maybe we'll have to talk after this. And Definitely. <laughs> Something I was curious about is uh, how the landscape has changed since you guys, because I know mobile betting has become a new thing in New York in the past year or so. So I was just, I know you guys have the Naira betting app and Correct. that's made it super convenient to, you know. Yeah. And, and it's really, um, and sometimes Chase, it's just like you mentioned, uh, I know when you take French to the racetrack for the first time, it's even the fear of speaking to the teller. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, some people are up for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. first time it was uh, very foreign to me. I was like, yeah. I don't and know and how really, this works. you know, they look mean, but they're nice. Yeah. <laughs> Trust <laughs> me. But uh, when you're able they're to. They're just hot. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When you're able to download the app on your phone 
And then you're able to like, you know, it really can walk you through and it even gives you suggestions from race to race on maybe advice on who to bet on, but it just makes that experience even better. And you've seen that in other sports as well. Um, I know I grew up uh, kind of in South Florida, but there were a lot of, you know, Super Bowls where you had that NFL experience, yeah. but you had like those betting at, or sorry, you should say experience apps <laughs> right. that, I, that I should say. And that, that's really a, a nice entryway. And, and, and on the other aspect, it's kind of a cutting edge sword because you still want people to come out to the racetrack. So you don't want to make it too convenient. Right. It's kind of like, <laughs> um, you know, uh, when I have friends who are like, uh, hey, let's get Giants tickets. And I'm like, it's at home in HD. But, you know, but you do want that, you know, good experience out. Right. And hopefully the, the app can encourage people to be comfortable enough to bet, but still come out to the racetrack live. Right. This episode is brought to you by Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga. Therapeutic Horses supports retired racehorses and leading a peaceful, safe, and meaningful life by rescuing, retraining, and utilizing horses and therapeutic programs. THS partners with licensed mental health therapists to provide equine-assisted learning services. The mission of Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga is to rescue and retrain retired racehorses to become valuable partners with people engaged in therapeutic programs. If you are interested in learning more about the mission of this organization, head to their website, thsaratoga.org, or you can email them any of your inquiries, info at thsaratoga.org. Something for me about Saratoga anyways, and actually I'd be curious to know how this works at other spots. I'm sure it's similar, but you know, when you explain to people that like you can get in for $7, you can bring your own food and drink. And like, it's, you know, of course, like for the, the racetrack, you know, the betting is where the money's made, but like it's essentially an amazingly fun day for like very cheap, unless you bet lots of money, but which is the goal yes, yeah. <laughs> for Naira. But, you know, I think that that's, it's a really cool vibe because you have, again, it's kind of like that accessibility, right? Yes. Like you have the more affluent people that can afford the fancy boxes and the seats, but then there's that accessibility for your everyday person to come in and have like a really nice time. And yeah, you don't even have to care about horses. Like you can have just set up, yeah, have a picnic no, all day. Uh, like hang we always out with- say, it's the value uh, of the sport. Is uh, where else can you get uh, live, you know, entertainment with you know beautiful equine athletes who are trying their hardest and they want to run. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you know, of, of course have that misconception coming in. Are, are they forced to run? No, they're not forced to run. Trust me, they're specifically bred and mated to run, and they want to run and they they want to perform and. They're in sync with the jockey and also with the trainer that trains them on a training regimen every day. And really, uh, for an entrance fee, that's $7 that you're still able to bring in your own beverages and snacks. Uh, You can tailgate in a parking lot at a football game, but once (laughs) the game starts, you can't bring in your food and you can't bring your drinks. You can still do that. And even get to that damn tailgate, the parking's like way more than $7. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really uh, you know phenomenal that we've been able to keep the entry point at such a you know a accessible fee and level that people can get to enjoy an experience with their family. Is that the same at all the other New York parks? Is that the same type of um, pretty layout? Much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Even uh, you know Finger Lakes, uh, Aqueduct, Downstate, 
um really yeah the rules are you know low entry fee you're talking well at aqueduct and finger lakes casinos are attached so there is no cost of entry okay uh saratoga and belmont are different because you know we do have to pay some bills mm -hmm. but uh right. you know the entry fee prices you know at least uh, i think is a nominal fee and that you can still enjoy yourself and have a, a great time okay another question logistical about aqueduct and belmont what is the parking situation uh, there is, uh, you know, the parking costs at Belmont, uh, at Aqueduct but as well. But there is parking There is available. parking. Yeah, there is tons of parking available. Okay. Uh, Belmont Park, the Islanders just built uh, the UBS arena, just the hockey. And the nice thing about that is, you know, if you're up for doing a double header, at least from the fall into the early spring, you could spend a day at the races and then go over and watch a hockey game. Oof. There's, there's, it might be a long day. <laughs> yeah, it's a big day. But there's plenty of parking available <laughs> for people to, you know, come out. And it's really not exorbitant fees. Uh, you know, still a little bit. I don't actually, it'll cost you more to get into the racetrack. But when you even it all out, I think it's still a great time. Cool. All right. So now I want to take it back a little bit because, um, I want to get a little more into, you know, your history with Naira and your involvement with Naira now. So you worked with Naira before. How did you actually, how did you get into racing? Tell us okay. that first. And then yeah. that I'm sure led you to eventually get the job with Naira. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, I was saying earlier, I grew up uh, going to the racetrack with my uncle and really my grandfather, they were racing fans, uh, come from a family from Jamaican heritage. So I was born in New York, but I was the first generation of our family to be born in the States. Prior to that, my family did own resources in Jamaica. So there's small racing scene down there. Um, you know, we just grew up uh, going to the racetrack, loving it. And then as you, you know, mature, we moved to Florida you know, just before, you know, high school for me. So got to experience racing down there as well. Uh, went to university at Florida State. Uh, so any Knowles out there, always showing love. <laughs> but uh, after graduation, I got a job in marketing at Verizon. Wasn't really a fan of that, just the nine to five and always a fan of racing still and sports in general. Wanted to get back in the industry. And uh, my uncle said, you know, why don't you give, you know, horse racing a shot? That's where you have a lot of passion. Uh, there's a variety of jobs and experiences, which I'd like to relay as well. And people don't really realize in, you know, any aspect of, you know, your dad was a trainer on that side, but people think you only have to play or be directly involved as a jockey and not so there's so many careers and opportunity paths. So I was able to get on board with Naira and first their marketing department. And then spending three years there was able to move on to the communications uh, spent my last two years in HR, uh, 10 years in total, and then was able to, you know, get this executive director position with the New York Thoroughbred Breeders to continue to work in an industry that I love and talk about a sport in an industry that has just uh, enabled me to really have a, a blessed career and really yeah. thankful for. Yeah. And, you you know, your time with Naira must have, you know, ended great because you sit on their board still. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so is that is that just something you do as like a passion or is that a connection with NYTB to be on their board? It's a connection with NYTB. So the New York Thoroughbred Breeders, of course, uh, representing the breeding industry in New York State and the breeders of the state. Uh, the organization has a seat on Naira's board. 
of which from our board of directors, they appointed me to kind of look out for the interests of the breeding industry. And as well, the Horsemen's organization, they also have a seat on the Naira board and the president of their group is on the Naira board as their representation. Uh, the other seats on the board from the 11 seats include uh, two elected appointments from the governor and the state assembly. And then uh, the other individuals on the board are uh, really uh, great individuals and uh, those who are vested with not only the history of Naira, and you're talking about, you know, Belmont Park and just really uh, great people and individuals who want to see the best for the game and the organization for, for to improve overall. That's awesome. What what is um what is the commitment to being on a board like Naira? Like I feel like that is a prestigious board mm -hmm. A to be on. Um and B, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. So, you know, what what is your experience like being on the board for Naira? Yeah, it's uh, definitely working with the uh, management team and making sure that the organization, the New York Racing Association is uh, moving in the right direction, we think, in supporting horse racing, making sure that Naira as a brand continues to grow, making sure each of the properties under the umbrella of the New York Racing Association, Belmont Park, Saratoga Racetrack, or Aqueduct Racetrack in Queens continues to have relevant and important racing. And uh, really, it's just uh, being a shepherd. And I know both of us also work for uh, boards in our day jobs. And it's just about, you know, uh, getting that guidance to the management team of how we see things are running and if they're being run effectively. And if the management team is getting the proper support and uh, guidance from us, at least from my perspective, from a breeding element, are we having enough New York bred races, what we could do to improve the New York bred program to make sure that they have an outlet to run. So uh, that's really my specific role on the board is to ensure that Naira itself is doing good and well and continues to grow the New York bread program. And in an overall aspect, um, you know, making sure that the organization itself continues to thrive in the long term. Cool. So, you know, a lot of times people feel like, oh, okay, like, I'm passionate about yoga, so I'm going to become a yoga instructor. And then maybe you become like less passionate about yoga once it becomes your income. Yeah. Do you feel that way <laughs> about horse? Like, like, does it, you know, the stress of the job at times yeah. can like maybe weigh on you. And so in your retirement, maybe you will enjoy it more. <laughs> but do you feel that way a little bit? Uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, when you're, you know, going to, job every day. Like, all right, I'll say this, uh, before I specifically worked in the industry, I would probably, you know, bet or wager or know most of the horses running. And now, you know, friends will call me and I'll say, actually it happened yesterday where my friend called me and he was like, he was thinking about buying a horse or making an offer on a horse, which is a New York bread, which made me look bad. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I literally had to be like, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you know, we're working with Belmont modernization. I'm yeah. talking to legislators. Yeah. I'm not just that tuned in yeah. to the point where I could tell <laughs> yeah. you about yeah. a specific name of a horse that you right. just give it to me. If yeah. you gave me an hour, I could do my research. And that's what I told them. And I'll get back to you. So uh, you don't dive in on the day-to-day -day things. Like um, I'm sure like any aspect or industry, um, maybe the latest, if you're a yoga instructor, you may not know all the latest 
moves or you know what aspects <laughs> right. there are but you yeah. still You're know teaching the, the same flow yes every cor- week. Yeah. correct but you still have that love and overall yes and i may not get to dive in on the form or get to know each of these racehorses directly or you know you know on a level where i know how they'll run but it's still a joy to go to the racetrack and see races so don't hit you up this summer for any hot tips on betting. <laughs> you can always hit me up for a hot bets and tipping. I just may not have something for you every day. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, so there's no conflict of interest with with betting. Like Naira people or and you can bet still. Correct. Uh you can't wager unless you have a direct impact on how races are drawn. So that means if you work in the racing office and you're taking the specific entries for horses to run, you obviously have a conflict of interest there. But um, as a board member, you're kind of far removed enough where you're just, you know, giving our insights, but we're not directly involved in, say, we're stopping, you know, a horse from, you know, entering a race or anything like that. But a Naira employee may have a conflict of interest. Correct. Yeah. Depending on what aspect or department they work in. And I think uh, the management team has various rules in place just to safeguard and ensure that, you know, various individuals are a not distracted in their day to day work (laughs) and uh, B don't have any specific conflict of interest to try to, you know, reflect on an outcome. Right. Cause I know my dad, um, the, the Cuddy, he, he couldn't bet at all throughout his career. So they, you know, and now he's a fiend. I mean, he's, he's on that <laughs> app great. all the time, that's especially great. during yeah. horse racing season. Yeah, he, uh, he's that's pretty great. versed. So something else I've been curious about since um, being a resident of Saratoga and being events minded and marketing minded is, you know, who owns the racetrack? Like who <laughs> owns Saratoga racetrack? Definitely. So it's a property of the New York Racing Association, which is the organization that operates, that runs the three racetracks of at least from Naira's perspective. Uh, the land itself is actually owned by the state. And so there is a franchise agreement where uh, Naira has worked out a deal with the state to operate the racetracks, but the land itself at Aqueduct Racetrack at Belmont Park at Saratoga Racecourse is owned by the state of New York itself. Okay. Yeah. Because like, you know, when I drive by there in the winter, I, this is what got jogged my mind. I I was driving by, I was like, damn, that is so beautiful. Like the snow all around the track. And, you know, even in the winter, it's such a beautiful place. You know, is there any opportunity to use that as a venue year round, maybe in the future? Are you doing that now? What's the logistics of that? Yeah, no, certainly it's uh, under consideration, I would say, by the management team and certain aspects are being opened up more and more. Uh, The 1863 Club, which is kind of the luxurious kind of venue during the track season, but we've opened that up to be available to be hosted for events or weddings in the non-track season. So that's one aspect, at least we're starting to open up and making the track more available and accessible to residents year round in the Saratoga area. That's cool. What about that freaking 
treehouse amazing jungle book bar (laughs) that thing is so cool yeah i'm I'm glad you like it so that's uh, an area that opened up just this last meet which was uh last july through labor day and previously it was a a tent structure this is uh commonly referred to as the paddock bar uh previously was a tent structure and it's a great area for people to just hang out watch races and you don't have to get dressed up this is for your everyday, if you just want to have a good time at the track and a t-shirt or a polo short and a polo shirt and just want to relax, you go to this area. But, um, you know, reviewing that uh, as on the board and from advice on the management team, we wanted to just make sure the area reflected the rest of the track mm-hmm. and not institute rules where you have to dress up, but just uh, keep it in theme and that it is Saratoga and it deserved a proper structure. So uh, within one summer, I would say, you know, the Naira, you know, construction team and really maintenance really uh, did a, a, a hell of a job in creating a permanent structure for this area where it now resembles kind of a treehouse, upper level, so lower cool. level, where you can hang out and still, you know, have beers and just, you know, enjoy the races. And it's definitely in a nicer place than just a tent. <laughs> yeah. So I've never been up there. And for me to do a proper, Description for our audience. I'm gonna need a tour. Yes, I'm gonna need to course. see it. No problem yeah. at all. So, <laughs> yeah, it's very Chase cool. two. You're coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sweet. Um, okay, so let's shift a little bit because not only are you from New York, but your sports interests are in New York. So tell us your teams. Who do you love? Uh, that would have to be the Knicks, Giants, Mets. Rangers. Okay. Okay. Cool. What's your What's your favorite though? Like, what's your sport of choice besides horse racing, of course? Tie between football and basketball. So the next. So generic. <laughs> what was I supposed to say? Curling? Yeah. Or- yeah. <laughs> that would have been better, actually. Something more unique. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, that's funny. Um. So before I let you off the hook here. You know, give us a story from either your time at Naira or like a loose horse story or something Mm. that is like you can remember like, oh, my God, either that was crazy or that was so cool or. Sure, I can give you. How about I give you two? Okay, please. So um, one of my early years in Naira marketing I can't remember the specific year now, which is a fault to me, but um, we were preparing for a Triple Crown bid, and we had Triple Crown, of course, is the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, ending with the Belmont, and we had a horse who won the first two legs, and of course, it's a phenomenal opportunity because it means everybody will be focused on New York, and you're going to have, at this time, 100,000 100, people at the very least wanting the route on and this was before American Pharaoh. So no horse had won the triple crown race since, uh, you know, talking in 79. So it was great opportunity and we're preparing and it's nonstop work. So as a department, you're, you're not off weekends and really you've worked in horse racing or you work with animals. There is no off time, mm-hmm. but when you kind of switch to an office role, you're at least hoping for some kind of weekend. <laughs> but uh, if there's a triple crown bit on the line, there is no weekend and uh, everybody was preparing, and up to the week, and a couple days before the race, I'll have another was scratched from the Belmont, 
suffered a, a slight injury and you always take air on the side of caution. And that's something people really have to understand about a sport is just the love and the care that trainers and owners put behind these horses. Uh, we don't race horses at risk. We want them to perform well. And out of, you know, an abundance of caution, I'll have another with scratch. So it was just, you had let the air out of our entire department, <laughs> our entire team. Oh, where man. it's about three weeks between the Preakness and the Belmont. Right. That hurts my heart like, for you. Oof. Yeah. You know, like, hey, but yeah. you know what? Good on that owner and trainer yeah. for making yeah. that. Like, Correct. you know, they could have mm -hmm. swept it under the rug and been like, no, he's fine. He can race it. And so good on them for, yeah. for pulling that and making because that's a hard decision yeah. to make. Like, and then to turn around, sorry, uh, a couple years after that in 2013, uh, California Chrome was another winner of the Preakness and the Derby going in for a triple crown try, failed, ran in the race, but wasn't able to pull it off. And then at this time, everybody was saying it would never happen. Triple Crown's <laughs> never going to yeah. happen again. Yeah. It's just too hard. Yeah. You got to switch the format. Right. It's too much on these horses. Right. And then the next year, American Pharaoh. Yeah. And that was mm -hmm. just amazing to be a part of. And I was in the press department at that time. And uh, so for every prior Triple Crown bid, and I got to experience at least one was going through the hell of I'll have another. So you felt like you worked it, but he didn't run in the race. Uh, California Chrome worked in the marketing department, sleepless nights again with American Pharaoh. I was actually in the press department. So that was sleepless nights and staying up and watching the horse work out every day and just following day to day detail. But getting to see him accomplish that feat and being the first horse to do that in 30 years was just a phenomenal experience. And then Got to see it again a couple of years later with Justify, mm -hmm. and uh, we hope it happens again. But we don't take it for granted, and I especially don't take it for granted after, you know, watching opportunities that got close and never got to happen, and for it to finally happen twice was amazing. That's so cool. Um, I know I said that was my last thing, but you know, being and going back to your time with Naira, you know, when you work for Naira, do you? In, in in a higher up position, I know there's, you know, the customer service and I think those are all different agencies, but, you know, do you get to, what is your, what is it like, you know, because when you work for Naira, first of all, you work for Aqueduct Belmont Saratoga, mm -hmm. yes, right? So yes. are you a traveling person? Yeah. Well, yeah. Luckily, uh, Aqueduct and Belmont is only separated by six miles. So you can have like one place either... Um, I refused to live in Long Island. I was kind of a city guy. So I always lived in Queens or Brooklyn. Yeah. I, lead a, I need a little bit more action right. than some other folks. But some people even lived in Manhattan and were able to get it done. But uh, Saratoga was kind of like the carnival. Okay. So you come up here and everybody who still weeks. works at Naira, you're here for the six weeks. And then they yeah. just like put you up somewhere. And Usually you, yeah, you're giving a stipend for the summer and you have to find your way and running a place. And it's kind of like the Wimbledon tennis tournament where yeah. people rent out their houses or in town, people will rent out their houses for the meet. You kind of use your stipend to get your housing for the meet. It's kind of a, a summer camp of work, but also yeah. fun. Right. That That does sound kind of fun. But your only off days, I assume, are like probably not even dark days. Yeah, usually, uh, at least when I worked at Naira, the majority of my time there was only one non-racing day, mm -hmm. and then That's in, right. yeah, in the yeah. last three years we've gone to two. Yeah, 
Right. But now I took on a new role where I'm never off. So yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Look at you moving yeah. up in the world. The American dream, yeah. right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Maybe we should we should go in on a horse and name it the American dream. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or no days off or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No new friends. <laughs> well, Naja, this has been very informative for me. I think our listeners will feel the same. I'm actually very sad. Don't tell him that Cuddy wasn't here because I think he would have had a lot of great questions. And he is he is an avid horse wagerer. So mm, I'll have to introduce you yes. to him this summer and you know, you can he can hit you with his your hot tips and you can please help no, I, i'd love yeah. to host you guys to come on out and any listeners want to come on out please um i'm on twitter at the number one naj one naj please reach out and tweet me uh let me know your thoughts if you're just watching racing and uh your thoughts in general on horse racing if I, we can make you a convert let's do it you know let's start the conversation um you know it's just like any sport these these athletes they're equine athletes and they train every day. They they run hard, and they give the the most phenomenal effort. And if they don't want to give effort, they don't give effort. Right. Sometimes that's... they don't live the starting gate because they don't want to run. <laughs> exactly. And that's okay too. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. All right. Well, thanks so much, Naja, and uh, to all our listeners. We will be back next week with another episode. Thanks for thanks for listening, and uh, you know we'll we'll put uh, Naja's info in the show notes. And uh, that's all for now. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, wherever you're streaming this podcast, if you would be so kind as to give us a subscribe and maybe even a review. In addition, you can find us for any updates on social media, Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Cuddy and the Cooge. Cuddy with a C, Cooge with a K. Or you can email any questions or submit any feedback to cuddyandthecooge at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.